Hey, what up Long Beach? Hope you and yours are happy and healthy this week as we bring you another episode of the only local podcast that updates you on Long Beach's schools, their sports teams, and our community at large. As always, this show is part of our partnership with the Long Beach Post, and it's hosted by us, the562.org, better known as Gold, Frankincense, and Myrrh. I'm JJ Fiddler. I'm Mike Garavasio. And I'm Tyler Hendrickson, dibs on gold. I mean, that's fair. I'm just running out of things that come in threes, you know? What's uh, what's frankincense? You should what look it up. It? It's it's amazing. Is it, like, it, is, it, is it a spice? Is it a plant? Isn't it like the it's thing both. that gives Frankenstein his powers, like spider spidey sense? Frankincense I like is an aromatic resin used in incense and perfumes obtained from trees of the genus Boswellia in the family Bersarsaray. I don't even know what that word is. I like Tyler's answer better. Yeah, Tyler's better. It looks, to be honest with you, it looks like uh, it looks like an illicit drug. That uh, <laughs> if you look at it, it looks like Frank get some frankincense buds. <laughs> Where I already had myrrh on my list, so that sounds like your business, bud. Okay, uh, we Arr. have an, we have an incredible interview coming up on this show with the latest silver slugger. Travis Darno, Lakewood High alum. He obviously went deep into the playoffs with the Atlanta Braves and got rewarded for it. And we had a long conversation with him, just talking about a little bit of everything, including some great Lakewood High School memories. But before we get there, guys, we do have to just take a second, realize the weather's changing, winter is coming, but in this case, it means something good because 2020 is almost over and we need 2020 to be over. Am I right? Well, and we got some good news that the things that bothered us about 2020 do seem like they're ending. Um, terrific news on vaccine efficacy from the Pfizer trial uh, with over 90% efficacy. Those were the numbers we were looking for. Dr. Fauci saying he's hoping that uh, that American citizens will be able to get that vaccine by the end of the calendar year, which uh, I literally, you you almost literally couldn't give me better news than that. <laughs> I was joking about that with my wife. Like, I'd rather have that than a million dollars. You know what I mean? The idea that all the people we know who are struggling might be able to, including ourselves, might be able to see a light at the end of the tunnel is so great. And then obviously, uh, you know, the election certainty um, that, uh, that we've got is nice as well. And yeah, man, let's, let's you know, crumple the, new, the, the year up and just throw it right out the, the window. I don't even care if it lands in a trash can. Just get it out of here. Well, and, and, and let's be honest, I mean, there, <laughs> nothing really changes ever from December 31st to January 1st, other than the calendar that you use. But I do think Which specifically for this calendar? year, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I do think specifically this year, there is like a psychological component to the way that 2020 has felt. I mean, I was talking about that the other day, just with all of the even stuff unrelated to the pandemic, which is obviously a source of a ton <laughs> of our problems. Let's, let's be frank and sense about that um but uh nice. the, the all the other things you know like the celebrity death and the tragedies that have happened you know from Kobe Bryant to Chadwick Boseman to Alex Trebek most recently I mean just you know stuff that's completely unrelated to the pandemic it just feels like it's extra this year so um even if it's only a psychological thing to be able to write 21 at the end of the date you know i don't know i just feel like that's something i, I said to a friend of mine i can't wait to live in a year that i won't remember again you know what i mean like what happened in 2015 guys i could tell you a couple more league sports related results but that's about it you know <laughs> i don't remember who died in 2015 like i don't remember <laughs> right it's been a little too iconic lately yeah, yeah. 
So people are obviously getting antsy. COVID fatigue is definitely setting in. And I also kind of wanted to take this moment to warn people that when we do, quote, turn the calendar or go back to normal, it's really not going to be back to normal. Everything is going to be different. You look at a thing like Long Beach State men's basketball, women's basketball, right? They were working out outside, couldn't go inside. So athletic director Andy Fee literally took them to a county, Orange County, don't call it that, went to Seal Beach, the AIM sports facility, to have them practice indoors because that's the only place you can practice indoors. It will be back to normal, but not regular normal. You talk about the Long Beach Unified School District athletic directors saying that, yeah, probably most of the parents they would give a waiver to would sign a waiver to allow their child to come back to activities on campus. But we're talking about parents signing waivers about their children's safety. Like, that's just not going to be normal. So brace yourselves, everybody. Even though we are getting closer to normal, it's not going to be exactly as we thought it would be. I don't care. Give, it, give me whatever we got, JJ. <laughs> give me the mutant version of normal over whatever it is we're living right now. <laughs> well, and I think it's just only natural. I mean, we we're in eight months of this, you know, and it's like people only have so much that they can sacrifice and that they can kind of survive with, you know, and I, I don't think anybody's doing anything in a reckless way like that, that you've, that you've talked about JJ. I mean, parents, I, I think are in making, would make informed decisions about signing that waiver. I think when Long Beach state is practicing, it's they're taking the lead of other teams around the country have been able to successfully do this. So why are we not doing this? So I don't think it's a result of people being too impatient and then turning irresponsible. I think people are just to the point where <laughs> they've, they've waited for a really long time. They've studied this. It's been all we've talked about for the last eight months. And I think people are ready to, to make their own risk assessments um, and, and start to advance things and get them, like you said, back to resembling normal at least. But you would agree that if this was happening in the spring, maybe some of those people would be a little bit more patient. Our patience is running thin. Absolutely. Yeah, I, and that's I, only I, human I, nature. Yeah. I just, I think there's, I think there's a lot of both, both elements of that, to be honest with you. What you're talking about, Tyler, there's actually a psychological term for it. It's called surge capacity. That's like, right. you're in college and it's finals week and you're telling, you're literally telling your brain like, Hey, we're not going to get a lot of sleep today. We need to really perform. And you, you can do that. I mean, we have the ability to do that as human beings. That's why we've been able to remake the world in our image. Um, but you cannot do that for your whole life. You cannot do it for eight months. And that's what we've been asking ourselves to do. Just, you know, perform, perform your job duties under the worst circumstances without being able to do the things that you use to relieve stress. You can't do that indefinitely. So I think there's some, there's some to some extent, people are just like, I'm over it. I can't handle it anymore. And to some extent, people are doing what you're talking about, which is like, well, look, you know, they were playing high school sports in 33 different states that did not have surges for several months after they began playing high school sports. So therefore, I feel good. But there are also parents who are just like, my kid is depressed. And I would do anything to, you know, try and give them something other than the life they're living. So I think it's both of those things. And um, we're not public health officials. It's not our job to, to set policy. So I'm comfortable saying I understand both of those things. Right. And it's, it's, it's totally defensible position. You know, I mean, they're, the public health officials are having to work with the entire community and give best practices, but then individuals have to make the, their own assessment for their lives and what's practical and what's working and not working for them. And, and we just have to trust that as a society, everyone has, you know, their own, but then also the, the greater best interest in mind, but I mean, Mike, you were talking about that, um, you know, kind of being overloaded and that surge capacity. I mean, every time I think about, you know, being frustrated of wanting to do things, I think about 
you know, the nurses, the doctors, the, you know, EMTs, the, you know, healthcare workers that, that can't get away from it. You know, it's every day and, and it's getting, at least lately, it's gotten so much worse in, in, in many parts of the country with, you know, hospitalizations going up. And so, I mean, how, how are those, how are those people surviving? You know, right. I mean, just a, it's a true testament to their, their will and their dedication to their, their job and their careers. And so, I mean, we can't thank them enough for, you know, just going every day, wearing a mask and full protection all day, every day, and just continuing to grind it out and help save lives. So, I mean, we just, we have to take a moment, I think, and, and remember that and celebrate them for the sacrifices they're making. If you want more stories about those local heroes, make sure you check out our coverage at Long Beach Post. And if you want to hear more for those athletic directors, both LBUSD and LBSU, you get to the 562.org where we've got podcasts and breaking news stories on both of those issues. Now, we got to get to our interview. Like I said, it's Travis Darnell, one of the best LB and MLB stories this season and really for the last few seasons as Darno had a career year at the plate won that several slugger award two years ago this guy was recovering for Tommy John surgery and getting released by the Mets three teams later he's one of the best veteran catchers in baseball with the Atlanta Braves and he helped them get to the National League Championship Series funny enough those last three teams were the last three teams standing in the 2020 season and he played for two of them in between the Mets and the Braves before we get to this excellent interview with Travis Darnot, I want to talk to you about Naples Rib Company. You've obviously heard us talk about Naples Ribs a ton over the last decade plus that they have been the sponsors of everything JJ and I are doing. Uh, man, my favorite food in the city and the people there are so great. Dave Ursini, the owner of Naples Rib Company, has just been one of the city's best boosters and supporters of so many different organizations. He's been a title sponsor of ours, as I said, for over a decade. It also supports all the local schools, all the local sports teams, um, does such a great job for the community. The community right now needs to show up and do the same great job for Dave and the folks at Naples Rib Company. So get down there. You can eat outside in their outdoor dining patio, or you can get it to go order and take it back to your house, whichever you prefer. But either way, go support one of the great businesses in the city of Long Beach. We now welcome on our special guest, newly minted silver slugger, Travis Darno. Travis, thank you so much for taking the time, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it to, to be able to do a hometown interview. It's, it's, it's big for me and it's really thankful. Heck yeah, man. Uh, so what you been up to? I mean, obviously you wanted to still be playing uh, last week and the week before, but what are you up to lately? Lately, I've, I've just been hanging out at home, catching up with family and friends, you know, the, the people that we were normally allowed to see during a regular season and, and you know, for the last four or five months. Uh, to be able to, to catch up on missed times has been fun and, and been big for me and my family. So it's, it's been cool. Yeah. Yeah. What was that like this season? I mean, you know, we saw the changes in travel and not having fans at the games, but also away from that where you guys are kind of contained and can't be around your family and friends. I mean, what kind of toll did that take on you, even though it was a shorter season? What was that like? Um, I think at first it was it was just different. Um you know, it was nothing over the top, but uh, something you just got used to. And, and as season went along, you kind of, you know, knew what, what to expect. So it made going through that process a little easier, especially with the you know, saliva tests and, and um, stuff of that nature. But uh, for me, you know, normally my parents, my brother, my sister would even come out during the year to hang out, you know, walk around the city. But to not have that was tough. But I guess FaceTime helps. Um, Zoom meetings helps, uh, you know, it's it just something that I knew they all supported me with anyways, too. So to, to just go through it and 
fortunately had my wife and, and our daughter there, so it made it smooth sailing, a little bit more smooth sailing. What was it like playing those playoff games with no fans or limited fans? And like you said, without the family, I mean, was it so different that you noticed it? Or once you were playing the game, you were just playing the game? Once you were playing the game, you were just playing the game. Um, I think uh, towards the end, it was cool. They were, you know, able to go to the final few series, final couple series. That was big. I wish it would have been, we would have been able to see them, but I understand why we were in the bubble and weren't allowed to see like you know my parents who came out to, to Dallas to watch us play there but it was interesting and and uh, I wonder if it'll be like that next year well and, and and you guys obviously had a great run in the playoffs and it was a lot of fun to watch it looked like you guys were having a ton of fun just the entire team I mean what's what's it like to to play for that team and you know was the clubhouse just extra loose because I mean you guys were just partying pretty much every game it seemed like yeah it was a lot of fun in February when normal spring training started everybody was loose like that and uh, fortunately they welcomed like me and Marcel with with open arms and we kind of just fit right in and after that little quarantine period I feel like when we met again in June July it was it was the exact same vibes and we just kind of rode that wave all the way to the to the end of the season and you know we kept winning so we were just stayed the same and kept having fun and, and good things happened who do you think is the toughest pitcher you guys faced in the playoffs I mean you, you faced some big names but who, who did you think was the toughest I think the toughest was Bauer um, during the playoff time he was locked in you know he knew where everything was going he was even throwing in the upper 90s that game he, he might hit 100 for all I know I know I was late on all his fastballs so for me, he was the toughest pitcher to face that whole postseason. Well, I'm sure as he goes into free agency, he's happy to, to hear people say that. <laughs> he could do, oh, yeah. he certainly wants all those endorsements for sure. Um, you know, and, and in the postseason, you guys specifically had a lot of young arms, uh, you know, had some, some injuries in the pitching staff. And so you had a lot of young guys and rookies coming through. For you as a veteran catcher, I mean, how did you balance that responsibility of helping the pitching staff in big games, biggest starts of their careers, but then also being the cleanup guy and, and having to be productive offensively as well. How do you balance, you know, studying the opposing batters to try to help your pitchers, but then also worrying about your own swing and offensive game? I was fortunate to be taught at a young age that there's two, two, two different games in baseball. There's an offensive game and a defensive game. So I try to keep those separate as much as I can and, and focus on both individually. Um, that's why I feel like defensively I'm able to, you know, keep pitchers in great moods all the time and, and confident on the mound. And then offensively, the same thing. I just try to focus on scouting reports and, and not trying to do too much and, and, and give what they – or take what they give me. Were you at all surprised by your success and the team's success this season? Or at the beginning of the year, did you kind of think, you know, we might have something here? In the beginning of the year, I mean, it was, it was one of the reasons I signed there. It was um, playing against them. I hated calling games against them. I hated – you know, waking up knowing, oh, shoot, we, we have to play the Braves today. It's going to be a tough one. And um, to be able to be a part of that now and, and contribute, too, it was, it was a lot of fun, and it made showing up to the ballpark so fun every single day. Well, I'm, I'm sure it was even more fun when you were playing well, and you had a, quite a breakout year at the plate. What kind of clicked for you? I mean, was, was it something mechanical, confidence, change of scenery? I mean, what, what, was, what do you think was the thing that really pushed you to have a career year at the plate? Um, I think mechanical, I just continued what I was doing last year. I'm not trying to do too much, stay short and just hit the ball right on the barrel. I mean, I mean, good things are going to happen when you square balls up more times than not. Um, but this year, I think I, with Seitzer, you know, he helped me so, he helped me so much with the approach side of, of hitting, um, you know, looking, uh, knowing what to look for, um, not trying to expand too much and, and uh, really dive in on that side of the, the hitting side and that I never really, put that much work in or that much thought into and 
to be able to have that this year and, and learn that was was huge for me where were you when you got the news that you had won the silver slugger and did you did you celebrate with the family i was actually at home here and i didn't i didn't know that the silver slugger was getting announced that night and one of my buddies hit me up and said hey are you, are you watching tonight and i texted back like what are you talking about he said oh silver sluggers are getting announced so with 10 minutes left me and my wife just rushed to the couch turned it on and um, once we once we heard that i won um, my wife screamed really loud she was so excited for me and uh, I just had to calm her down because our daughter was sleeping in the other room and uh, you know we didn't we didn't want to wake her up from her nap but uh yeah we just went out got some dinner and and um that's basically it it was nice um we had our daughter babysat too so me and my wife just went out and had a nice dinner was that a goal of yours did you ever think like if I can get silver slugger level <laughs> you know what I mean D did you ever think about that no not really I think it was uh just an accumulation of more daily good thoughts of just trying to square the ball up and uh I got rewarded at the end, fortunately. You know, last week we talked to uh, J.P. Crawford, who just won his gold glove, um, another former Lakewood Lancer. So we're, we're lucky to be able to talk to some award-winning baseball players. So we're appreciative of that. Um, and for you, I mean, is, is that something that you guys take pride in? Not just Lakewood guys, but just Long Beach area, more league, you know, guys that played at Blair Field. Is there a kind of a fraternity in the, in the big leagues where, you know, you guys will see each other at games and, you know, have a talk, um, you know, during BP or something? Oh, yeah, definitely. Normally we would, you know, be able to catch up even more after the game or, or before the game, grab some lunch. But, um, yeah, we keep in touch. Like we messaged each other and congratulate each other. But we were supposed to go to Seattle this year, and um, we were probably going to hang out up there. Um, but, yeah, we keep in touch. And, and um, we were fortunate enough to have great coaching growing up uh, with Spud. I had Matt Nuez was there, Steve Boaz, and so many other people that helped me tremendously grow as uh, – something that we were fortunate enough to have as kids and we just kind of you know, got the luck of the draw. You guys won the title at Lakewood your junior year and you actually went 58, 10, and 1 in your junior and senior years at Lakewood. So not too bad, but what do you think is the key to that Lakewood baseball success? I mean, obviously Spud O'Neill, one of the greatest baseball coaches we've ever covered here in the city, but we just missed you. We started covering baseball in 2008, so it was very oh, okay. close. So, yeah. um, so what, what do you think the key is to that success over there? Um, over there, uh, a lot of that team we all grew up playing together from when we were 14 all the way till that junior year, what puts us at 17 I think we knew each other's strengths and weaknesses so much uh, we were able to keep each other in great moods all the time and we come we were almost having as much fun as we were what it looked like with the Braves you know everybody was laughing and joking around and but yeah that's why I think we were we were a special team that year and we were able to win yeah, there was definitely some similar energy I could see in the, in the dugout and everything oh, yeah. on the base pads and stuff. Uh, definitely some great sellies from you guys. Um, you know, what are some of the, uh, the memories that you have from your time at Lakewood? Are there any games or moments that kind of stand out to you that you still, you know, think about time sometimes? Yeah, I still have that title game in my head. You know, we were bottom of the seventh. We were losing one to zero. Robert Stock's on the mound. He's dealing six innings, you know, shutout innings. And, and I think the first guy got on by like a swing and bunt or something. And, and then the next guy got on with a hit by pitch. And then all of a sudden with like one out in the seventh, we have a chance to win it. And our guy, the next guy up, it's a double down the right field line. I just remember, you know, coming out of the dugout, like waving my arm and that dog pile at the end. I remember too. Um, that's a big moment. Uh, and now I still have a lot of, a lot of close friends that I still hang out to this day with that were on that team. 
an extremely talented team. Uh, you're also from an extremely talented family. Your brother Chase is also a professional baseball player. Were you kind of motivated by watching him get to the pros and kind of work his way through? Because you were planning on going to Pepperdine just like he was, but then you got drafted straight out of high school. Oh, yeah. I was motivated for him when I was a lot younger than that. I mean, when he was four in T-ball and I was two, my dad used to tell me my eyes would get so big when my brother would step on the field and go up and hit. Um, and then we played on the same little league team together and, and I just tried to do everything just like him. You know, I was, I was lucky enough to, to be able to have a brother to look up to like that and keep me straight and keep me on the right track. So it's, it's been, I've been very fortunate to grow up with him. Well, and, and during your time in the big leagues, I mean, it, it hasn't been easy getting there. I mean, I know you had a lot of injuries to deal with and, you know, even in the show. So it, it was great to see you stay healthy this year. I mean, what is that, you know, did you get some extra perseverance from that? I mean, I know guys that, that have those injuries early in their career, it makes them appreciate what they have when they can stay healthy. I mean, what was that kind of journey like working your way up to getting regular playing time in the show? Um, it was just, uh, you know, trying to persevere through the, the, the injuries I had and, and just keep look at it as, you know, a learning process versus getting down on myself. Um, I think the biggest thing I learned is understanding hydration and, and even like when to eat, what to eat for certain situations. Um, other than that, just I've, I've had the same stretch routine since uh, two years ago when I feel like, you know, I was able to stay healthier uh, more often. So, yeah, I was able to appreciate when I was just sitting there watching baseball, I was able to appreciate a little more. So I'm trying not to take this for granted as much and, and giving it my all. Absolutely. So you've played with so many teams. I got to be honest, I haven't really seen another guy change numbers as much as you have, you've, you've worn a little bit of everything. You even changed your number from junior to senior year at Lakewood. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so you're finally, you landed on 18. Now Tyler is a massive Peyton Manning fan. So this oh, is yeah. really great. You guys can share this Peyton Manning love. You've right. dedicated 18 to Peyton, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, I was a Colts fan uh, with football um, and he was their quarterback. So I always liked 18. It was available too at the time. So it was, I mean, you know, ultimately it was me giving uh, Jose Reyes his, his number back he deserved you know to have that number but yeah to have to be able to pick 18 I was all all about it now you had such a good year and won a silver slugger and uh are you sticking with are you just keeping the number now I mean, are you have you settled in do you feel like you're in a good spot yeah I'll keep that number for next year but for me it was uh trying to make it equal seven somehow have a number seven in it Dodgers I was 72 because there were seven Rays 37 there's seven and one plus six is seven, so I tried to keep that same idea there, same thought. Well, and Peyton wore 16 in college, so it's it, it really, it's perfect. Oh, there I, you I go. Think, I, th I, th I think you found the perfect number. Don't, yeah, don't ever change that. That's, there you go. I'm going to, that's, yeah, so 16 next year, too, for sure. Let's go. You heard it here first. Yeah. Uh, so what's your plan now? I mean, we talked to JP a little bit about it, and he was going to kind of take some time off, but he also acknowledged the fact that you guys don't really know when you're coming back. So what, what, what's your kind of plan during this offseason time? You know, I took a, a couple weeks off. Now I'm at three weeks um, since the season ended for us. Uh, now I'm going to kind of get into it slow, a couple times a week playing catch, inning off the tee. Um, kind of ease back into it, do this for a few weeks, uh, and then ramp it back up again. Um, I've, I've been doing that for a couple of years now, and it's, it's been working. How does your body feel after a, a shorter season? I mean, you know, you guys had a run, and, you know, you played <laughs> seven games in seven days there uh, at the end in the playoffs, which I'm sure for a catcher was not your favorite part of the season. But, um, you know, how, how, does, how do you feel physically after not having that full grind of 162? 
I think knowing that the games were more stressful, uh, shooting the playoffs, my body felt pretty similar to how it would um, after a normal year. Um, and then also the adrenaline from playoffs kind of puts that, you know, I wouldn't say pain, but the soreness away um, a little bit. And then right when the season's over, a couple days after when your adrenaline wears down, your body's sore and it felt like a normal, normal year on my body. That's what I thought at least. Speaking of normal year, and this is the last question for me, a lot of the Braves front office has been talking recently that this is the player they knew you were. Do you feel that same way after the season, looking back on it, you're like, that's the player I know I am? Yeah, that's, that's the player I believed I was and, and wanted to show everyone. Um, and to have uh, the faith from the, the organization behind me too is very motivating. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's something I, I still want to get better now. Like I know my defense can get better and, you know, maybe strive to become a gold glover now. And, and I think that would only benefit the team and, and everyone that's part of it. Well, if there's one thing we've learned over the course of having these jobs, it's to never to bet against a Long Beach guy. So <laughs> we have no doubt that, <laughs> that uh, the success will continue with, with hard work and good fortune. So, uh, you know, congratulations, Travis, on a tremendous year. And, you know, keep, keep it rolling, man. We're excited for you. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, too. And um, I'm always happy to do a local Long Beach show so anytime you guys have anything just let me know absolutely thanks again man yeah of course take it easy y'all it feels like a little while since we've gotten to just do a chest thumper over a major national award won by long beach poly but uh this is a pretty big one max preps recently came out with its list of top professional athlete producing high schools in america long beach poly number one compton number five the two top public high schools in the country at producing NFL, Major League Baseball, and NBA products, both playing in the Long Beach Unified School District's Moore League. Uh, that's pretty special, guys. And I have to say, looking at how far ahead Polly was over everyone else, you just kind of have to, like, take a step back and sort of go, wow. You know, they're at 86. The next highest school is in the 70s. And then Compton tied for number three at 49. Um, so to not only have a local inner city uh, public school be number one, but be number one by so far is insane. And as I pointed out in our article, which you can read at the 562.org a little bit later this week, um, they're, also, uh, they're also missing some people on the max preps list. I think they use the pro football reference, pro baseball reference. So they've got Polly with 20 major leaguers. We know they have 23. They've got Polly with 58 NFL products. Uh, we know that that's actually a little bit over 70. So um, but the margin should be even bigger, but man, that's pretty insane. It's insane. Well, it needs to be talked about. It's incredible because it's probably the top sports story that I'll remember from 2020. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> well, and it's, and it's, it's a top one that won't include the word COVID-19. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Which we're, we're desperate to read more of those stories. Um, but, but yeah, for, for a public school to do that is, is just crazy. And then just the longevity and the consistency. I think that's what has allowed Polly to really, really stand out. I mean, just from the early days of the school and then, you know, even still, I mean, there's currently uh, athletes that you're projecting to be, um, you know, to be professional athletes. You know, I mean, obviously Peyton Watson is on that track as a five-star recruit in basketball on his way to UCLA, but you know, a, well, they've got a dozen is, division one college football athletes, you know, a couple sure, of them yeah, are yeah. pretty much locks to make it to the NFL as well. 
and, and it also, it shortchanges one of the things that, that Polly has dominated in, and that's the girls' side. You know, I mean, this is only looking at, at, at boys and then ultimately men's sports, obviously, with the quote-unquote big three. But, you know, Polly has, you know, made a reputation for dominating girls' sports, you know, from Billie Jean King to, you know, Ariana Washington. And, you know, I mean, Eric Carter, Carter recently was making the WNBA. Yeah, that was one of the things right. Rob Schock, uh, who I interviewed for the story and who we had on the podcast last week, he brought that up. He said... His only regret about the list is the girls program at Poly since title nine's passage in the early seventies has been better than the boys program. It's won more championships. It's produced more scholarship athletes. And there, you know, it's difficult to imagine Polly's that far ahead of the rest of the country on a national list that does not include Billie Jean King. <laughs> Speaking of being shortchanged, can you imagine if they included the Olympians in this and then you get Wilson high school in there, it would just be more league at the top. It, right. it would just be it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, we talk, we talk about that. The three of us know probably better than anyone else because we do because we know the history of Compton High School as well, right? Wilson and Milliken and Lakewood. But um, it's something that I think all three of us have felt like the city and certainly the leadership in the school district have taken for granted at times. Um, and now, as we see over this last decade, for the first time, these talented Long Beach kids not all going to the LBUSD high schools. I'm hoping that there's a renewed appreciation for how good these athletes are and how well it's worked out for everyone to make sure that they have a great home here in the city at our public schools, um, you know, for them to compete. Right. And, and, and we've mentioned a number of more league schools already. And yet our last two podcasts are interviewing a gold glover and a silver slugger from Lakewood High School. So right. clearly, <laughs> clearly it's spread around. So you can kind of pick your path. I think what we're really boiling it down to is this community produces great talent that's I'm, that's really what we're i would in. put it up against anyone it was long beach versus everybody right you look at most major leaguers produced you look at the most nflers produced you look at the olympians produced you look at just the championships that we all get to cover each and every year where those kids may not go pro but they did something incredible per capita elite athletes i would put the city of long beach up against any other city in america at any point I mean, it's unbelievable how many incredible athletes come, uh, come out of this area. And it just needs to be said again and again. When Mike and I first started covering sports in Long Beach, I'll be honest, the coverage of local sports, the amount was embarrassing. And we needed to do something about that because this stuff was true then and it's still true now. And people need to talk about Long Beach's greatness more. I mean, we do it every week, but, you know, people need to do it more. Yeah, I, I I almost feel like what you're saying, it doesn't even count as a take anymore. Now that, that now that Max Preps has got a list out like this, you're just like, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I do think it's one of those moments and we've had similar moments. Uh, you know, we got to write up uh, uh, ESPN naming Polly the top high school sport uh, program in the country. I think you have to take these moments um, to appreciate them because you, you really never know, right? I mean, the pendulum swings in both directions. We mentioned Compton High School, and I don't want to, to overlook that. For Compton High School to be number five is amazing, but they're a great example of almost all of the professionals they've produced um, were 40 or 50 years ago and prior. I mean, that, that was a baseball powerhouse, and you could have at any moment looked at Compton High School in the 50s and said, Duke Snyder and all these amazing guys have come out of here, and then, you know, the, a page in the history book turns, and you're a sixth or seventh place team in the Moore League for the next half a century, right? So it's certainly because of so many different factors and the amount of community support that Polly has, you don't necessarily expect something like that to happen, but you do have to appreciate these markers because 
um, it's not something people should take for granted. You know what I mean? It, it is something that when you look at these other high schools could, and especially for public schools, if you go down that list in the top 25, there are almost no public high schools that are still relevant. Okay. They're, I mean, these are schools that were amazing in the forties and the fifties and maybe in the sixties. But if you look at, and with all due respect, if you look at your Dorsey high schools, you know, Dorsey high school is not a program with an elite national uh, high school sports program. They, they are not. Um, Compton high school obviously struggles on a fundamental level with a number of their programs. They're still producing basketball players. Obviously we've got DeMar DeRozan, who's a star uh, out of Compton high, but they struggle. They really struggle to keep a number of their sports going. And I think that this list is a reminder that if you don't sort of um, water the green spots, as Alan Knipe likes to say, if you don't keep turning that healthy soil over in the garden, it dries up, you know, and there's a reason to make sure that the Moore League and Polly and Wilson and Milliken and Lakewood and Jordan and Cabrillo and Compton have the resources that they need to continue to bloom and, um, and help change these kids' lives. Because these aren't just numbers, guys on a website. I mean, these are kids who... A lot of them grew up in the inner city whose lives have changed forever. And as we see with guys like Darrell Casey and Mercedes Lewis, um, John Ross and Juju Smith-Schuster, they come back and are able to help change lives in the community uh, of the next generation. Well, and here's to hoping that the facilities upgrades that we're seeing around the Long Beach Unified School District, new, new facilities at, at Jordan and, and Compton as well as part of separate initiatives, you know, hopefully these facilities will help bring about that next generation, that next wave of uh, professional athletes coming out of the Moore League in the area, um, you know, that would obviously be great for us. I think it's also important to point out that this is not just a couple of sports. This is basically all of the sports from water polo to beach volleyball, to basketball, baseball, football. We've got it all in Long Beach. I, I think we might just be able to create a Long Beach athletics capital of America. And people just got to get on board with that because it's hard to, it's hard to argue against. I mean, you, you make a great point, JJ. Like, Wilson and Polly have won more CIF water polo championships than any other schools in the Southern section. And I, you could make a pretty good argument that track and field is actually a better sport for the city's history than football, baseball, or basketball, <laughs> which are the only sports measured on this list. So uh, it's pretty, it's pretty ridiculous, man. It was a good reminder that we're lucky and it was a nice little appetizer for your boy to uh, get to look at that list and start thinking about uh, hopefully seeing some of these schools back in action in a couple months. Not just for you, man, for everybody. We all <laughs> want to see these schools back in action in a couple of months. So obviously we're going to be keeping you up to date on the road back at the 562.org and the Long Beach Post. Thank you to everybody at those websites who help us get up those stories and this podcast. Stay safe out there, everybody. Keep wearing your mask. We're almost through this. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Hang tough, Long Beach. We'll see you soon.